Dominus fortitudo plebis sue. The Lord is the strength of his people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The opening phrase of the introit must be related to the opening phrase of this Sunday's Collect. We sang in the intro it, Dominus fortitudo plebis sue, the Lord is the strength, the fortitude of his people. And then, in the Collect, we addressed God with a title that is not often used in the Collects of the Roman Rite. We open the Collect by calling God Deus Virtutum. Deus Virtutum. The expression is <coughs> very difficult to render adequately. So how shall we understand this Deus Virtutum? I suppose it is a Latin way of expressing the way we address God in the Sanctus of the Mass. Dominus Deus Sabaot. Sabaot. Lord God of hosts. Lord God of the army of angelic powers. This way of addressing God in the collect, Deus Virtutum, also suggests that God makes himself known in the exercise of his divine omnipotence. God, to whom nothing is impossible, I suppose we might render Deus Virtutum as God to whom nothing is impossible. God who givest strength, divine fortitude, that gift of the Holy Ghost to the feeble, to the weak, God, who by thy divine power restorest to wholeness the fragmented. God, who by thy divine omnipotence workest wonderful deeds. The Mirabilia Dei, which we celebrate so often in the Psalms. And there is another way of understanding this Deus Virtutum related to the appellation given God in the Sanctus of the Mass, Lord God of hosts, and it is the God who created and holds in being the angelic choir of the virtues. 
virtues are among the nine choirs of angels, the angels in whom God manifests his virtus, his divine might, in a most resplendent way. In fact, when we suffer hours and seasons of debilitating weakness of body and of soul, we do well to call upon the angelic choir of the virtues, because part of their mission is to bring the virtus of God to us. And the collect goes on to say, Cuius est totum quod est optimum, from whom comes every excellent thing. This, of course, is an allusion to the epistle of St. James. God, the Father of lights, from whom every perfect gift, every excellent gift, comes down to us. And then the collect uses a very compelling little phrase. We say, insere, insere. Most translations give implant, to implant something or to, to graft something, to insert, literally, implant in our hearts. The heart being here the deepest part of the human person, the deepest part. And we ask God to reach in and implant there what? The love of thy name. We ask God to implant the love of his name in us so that by that implantation, by that insertion of love, we might respond to his fatherly love, because his name is Father, respond to his fatherly love with filial love. Respond to his fatherly devotion towards us, his pietas, with a filial devotion to him. Now by devotion, I don't mean anything weak or saccharine here. The word is greatly devalued, especially in pious discourses. Devotion is an inflammatory word, I suppose. Our word devour is related to devotion. 
Devotion also comes from the Latin vovio, to vow. But the devotion of God the Father to us, revealed in Christ, is such that he says, child of mine, there is nothing that I will not do for you. Or if you prefer to use the words of St. John, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. The gift of the Son is the expression of the Father's devotion to us. You know what it is in human terms when we say, oh, that man is utterly devoted to his children. It's a very beautiful thing to say of a father. He's utterly devoted to his children. Well, that is but a pale reflection in human nature of God's utter devotedness to us revealed in Christ. And so when we pray in the collect, implant in our hearts the love of thy name, we are asking him to implant in us a love that expresses itself in complete devotion to the God who has revealed himself to us as Father. Then we move to the next petition of the collect, which is very rich et presta in nobis religionis augmentum increase <coughs> give us an increase of religion what does that mean give us an increase of religion there is, of course, uh, the virtue of religion, which uh, derives from uh, the virtue of justice. The virtue of religion is what places a man in a right, worshipful relationship towards God that expresses itself in all the acts of latria, the worship due to God alone. But there's another understanding of the word religion here. Religion is that by which man is bound, that's the sense of the word, religare, by which man is bound to God and by which God binds himself to man. So religion relates the whole biblical notion of the covenant, that by which man binds himself to God and by which God binds himself to man. So religion is essentially related to sacrifice. It is by offering sacrifice that man binds himself to God and it is by accepting the sacrifice offered to him, 
God binds himself to man. In every sacrifice, we have three elements. We have the sacrificer, the one who brings the offering and places it upon the altar. When the church was persecuted in Ireland for so long, the persecutors of the Catholic faith spoke with derision of Catholic priests as sacrificing priests. Well, they got that right. They got that right. Sacrificing priests. And so there must be a sacrificer. And then there must be a sacrifice. An oblation, a victim, an offering. The Lamb. How beautiful that at Knock, our Lord Jesus Christ chose to present himself as the victim, the offering, the lamb. And there must be God to whom the sacrificer offers the immolated victim. Now, The immolated victim represents the sacrificer himself. In every Mass, the priest is the sacrificer. And the people united to the priest as the body to the head are a sacrificing people. And the offerings placed upon the altar represent, first of all, the priest himself. The priest cannot stand before the altar without placing himself on the altar. He is the sacrificer and his self-offering is represented on the altar by the victim, the offering, the lamb. And so by offering sacrifice, the sacrificing people, united to the sacrificing priest, make themselves over to God. In every Mass, this is what happens. The priest makes himself over to God, and the people, through the priest, make themselves over to God. And so you have the sacrificer and the sacrifice and God in accepting the sacrifice makes it the means by which he makes himself over to the sacrificer and to the sacrificing people. And this of course happens in Holy Communion. So there is in every Mass this wonderful exchange the sacrificer making the gift over to God. God receiving the gift and God making himself over to the offerer of the gift. This is the exchange. 
man made over to God, and God made over to man. And so this grace for which we ask in the collect, an increase of religion, is directly related to the holy sacrifice of the Mass, in which and by which we are bound to God and God is bound to us. Ultimately, all religion is Eucharistic, because all religion is necessarily sacrificial. Oh, and the collect goes on to say, et qui sunt bona nutrias. It's interesting that this word, uh, to nourish, occurs quite twice in the collect of the sixth Sunday after Pentecost. When the gospel is that of the multiplication of the loaves, a gospel that shows us Jesus moved by compassion for the multitude, nourishing the multitude. And so you must make this connection between the gospel and the collect of the Mass. And in the collect, we ask God to nourish those things that in us are good. Now, we sing in the sequence of Pentecost that in man there is nothing good that is not God's gift to man. And so we ask God to nourish, to nourish means in some way to increase the gift. When a child is being nourished, what happens to the child? The child grows bigger and stronger. <coughs> That's the effect of nourishment. We know what someone suffering from malnutrition looks like. We say, Ut sunt bona nutrias. Malnutrition is one thing, and the ravages of malnutrition are terrible to behold in a person. We've all seen photographs of children in countries where there is famine, children ravaged by hunger, in a state of complete malnutrition. So we are asking God to nourish what by his gift is already good in us. Now what might that be? The three theological virtues received in baptism, faith, hope, and charity, of course. So we're asking God to Make faith, hope, and charity grow and increase and wax strong in us. To solidify, to strengthen the bond of religion. For well, the sacrifice 
is the highest expression of faith open to charity. And then we ask God, in his pietas, in his utter devotedness, not only to give growth and increase to the good things he has placed in us, but then to protect these growing, increasing good things in us. We ask God in some way to stand guard over us the way in biblical times a guard was set over a vineyard. You know how uh, a vineyard was so vital a thing in the economy of Palestine that the owner of the vineyard would have to build a tower and in the tower he would have to put a watchman and the watchman from his tower would survey the vineyard to make certain that no incursions were taking place. So we ask God to protect what he has implanted, the things to which he has given increase. We ask God to stand guard over us. And no one is as safely kept as the man who is in the keeping of God. So we have all of these things in the collect of today's Mass and more besides. But for this morning, at least, let this be sufficient. <clears throat> Increase in us the things that bind us to thee and that bind thee to us. Nourish us with all goodness and in thy devotedness keep guard over what thou hast nourished. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.